Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. As we continue in our teaching series today, uh, we're going to begin by going back to the beginning. Uh, We're going to begin by going back to the beginning uh, once more. Uh, I want to go back to the story in the garden, uh, the story of Satan's great swindle of Adam and Eve. There was a great swindle there very early in the story of our human experience uh, that we have in Scripture. And I want us to begin there to see a truth uh, that we might see a need, a dependency even, that still rings true for us today. Now, I know thousands of, of years uh, beyond that moment that we would think we're beyond all of that, but no, we're, we're not. We're not. We're, we're going to see today uh, uh, things that we share in common with our ancestors in Scripture, uh, some needs, some uh, dependencies, and we're going to see one of those today, and we're going to dive deep uh, to one of our greatest needs that we share with our, our Uh, parents Adam and Eve in Genesis. So we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 3. So table of contents, hang a slight right, you'll land right there. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 1 and read through verse 3. Genesis 3, 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. So just before this encounter in in Scripture, uh, God did say that they could eat from any tree in the garden, all the trees except for one. So just imagine, if you will, parents, this will be easy for you, but just imagine stepping into the cereal aisle at Walmart, okay? Like, oh! The cereal aisle, right? It's all yours. But don't eat the Lucky Charms. See? All the abundance. Anything you want in this aisle, just don't taste of the Lucky Charms. So many things they can have. So much provision in God, but there's only one that they cannot. God had actually warned Adam that if they did eat from this one tree, that they would die. And So this seems simple enough, right? Obey the Lord. Don't eat it. But anyone that has taken a child to the cereal aisle knows that as soon as there is one prohibition, that becomes the center of attention, doesn't it? As soon as we say, don't do this one thing, that is all we can see. And the story in the garden is really no different. So they could have all the Captain Crunch and Cocoa Puffs, but they were fixated on what they could and they were going to partake of it. Our story suddenly bridges generations to where we see this in ourselves and in them. And in our story, the enemy enters. 
Let's pick back up in verse 4. You will not certainly die. You'll not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. In this moment, they died. They died. You see, when they disobeyed God, the, the truth is that they died just like God said, but it, was, it came in a way they did not expect. You see, what died was their spiritual life, their connection at which they were made to have with the Father, that intimacy, that is what died in that moment of disobedience. They became the original walking dead. I know you might think that's a popular TV show, but it was in Scripture first. They became the original walking dead, and today we continue to live out that death. We're dead to the things of God. We're insensitive uh, to the moving of the Spirit. We're unable to resuscitate or rescue ourselves from that state, unable to breathe life into our own souls. We are essentially hopeless. And you know what? The enemy still whispers this same lie today. Certainly you're not dead. Look around. That's an ancient fairy tale. You have life. Look at the life you have at work and the home and, and, and all the fun you have. Look how good it is. Certainly you're not dead. And you know what? We still buy into that lie that we can find life in all of those things of the world. We pursue them with all that we have only to find that they're empty. And we continue to live out that death. This morning, when you pulled in off 340, you pulled into a church of the Nazarene. And today, we're in a series, we're in part two of a teaching series called What We Believe. And in this series, we're, we're taking a look at some of the key doctrines and ideas from Scripture that make us the church of the Nazarene. As we continue today, we're going to see, in fact, that we do believe that apart from Christ Jesus, we are dead. And in that dead sin state, we are utterly dependent, totally dependent on God to make the first move in calling us to life because we believe that we can't come to him on our own. But the beautiful truth of what we believe today, friends, that we're going to unpack a little bit more is that we believe God has already been moving and working and calling you to life and calling you to intimacy with him. And friends, we believe in God's prevenient grace, his prevenient grace. I, I want to welcome you back to our teaching series. Uh, I mentioned that we're in part two of what we believe, and together we, we want to get a clearer picture of the nature of our faith as the church of the Nazarene, not just to gain knowledge, though that is good, but we want to understand and know what it is, the joy of living out the way of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, last week we began with really kind of, the, without being said, it was where we had to start and that was with Jesus. Because it, Jesus is, is who and what, where everything rises and falls, where it begins and ends. It's in him. 
And so for us to unpack what we believe, we must start with Jesus, because what we believe about him is shaping our individual lives and our lives together as his church. And therefore, it's no mistake that we are the church of the Nazarene following the way of Jesus of Nazareth. And today, we're going to look at this idea of provenient grace. Now, first things first, I don't know about you, but provenient is not a word that comes up in my text messaging a lot very much, right? Like, it's not a word in our everyday vocabulary. So if you were to head to Google for your dictionary, you would find provenient to mean uh, uh, coming before or preceding or anticipating. That's provenient. So you merge this idea with grace. Provenient grace is the unearned favor and kindness that God extends to us, calling us to life. Provenient grace. It's his first move in drawing us to himself. For John Wesley, he was a key figure in the theology formation that we have as the Church of the Nazarene. This was a critical distinction for him uh, because he believed that all people received God's grace. All people were being drawn to Jesus, and they had to choose. They had a choice. Wesley believed that in giving this grace to all people, he was making it possible for everyone to experience new life in Christ. Now, you say, what does it look like? Like, let's put some practical handles on this thing, right? Well, provenient grace can, can take a lot of forms. It shows up in our lives so many different ways. Uh, it can be a quickening of our spirit to the way we're living. We might sometime or through a season understand that, man, just the way we're living is just not working. There's something missing. That's grace to give us that awareness. It can be a a heavy conscience when we're doing something we shouldn't. It can be a sermon or a podcast, a sunrise or a sunset, or the colors of fall that make us consider there's something behind this story. Anytime we consider more beyond that, we consider who God is and, and his work around us, that's grace. I know in my own story, provenient grace could look like my mom and dad uh, teaching us to pray and taking us to church. That was was beginning points of God's grace. Man, I I got to spend time with my grandparents, and, and, and we got to go ring the Salvation Army bell out of the little red hut at Christmas, right? Man, that was grace. The other side, we, I would get to go, and I'm going to have a throwback moment for some of y'all here, but when I was hunting and fishing with my granddad, we would listen to the Hee Hall Gospel Quartet. Yeah, see? I, thank y'all. Make me feel better. I'm not the only one. But right, we had this cassette, oh man, a cassette tape. So it was this little kids, it was this little squ- young people, it was this square box, you stuck it in there, it worked, and sometimes cassette tapes, look it up. But we had this cassette tape. And we would play that thing front side and back side and front side and over 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 and over. And I can still sing those lyrics to you today. That was grace because the message there it contained was telling me of a God who loved me and cared about me, had a plan for my life. That was grace through an old cassette tape. Man, I I remember more grace came from from a neighbor that lived just behind us that invited us to the Church of the Nazarene in Spring Creek. Man, that was grace. That was God moving in our lives. Uh, There was this lady at the Harrisonburg campus when we went there. Her name was Lynn Cook. You might know her. She she comes to first service. Man, she, she would hug me and look after me all those years at church. That was grace that came through a hug. You ever had a heavy conscience 
Man, I had a whale of a one, and I wish I didn't. In that time, right, you're just wishing you could be free from that, but that heavy conscience when wasn't living right was grace. It was grace. You see, so provenient grace takes so many forms in our lives. It shows up in so many different ways, but it all has one single purpose. Provenient grace serves one single purpose, and that's to call you to Christ Jesus. It's to move you towards him, to awaken you, to make it possible for you to choose him, to choose life. That's the flow, the movement of provenient grace. You see, provenient grace has been going before you, beckoning you, making your faith possible. God's made the first move, and it's grace that has been moving right up until you getting up and coming this morning on Time Chain Sunday. That's grace. I didn't know who was going to be here today, but God did. That's grace, friends. That's God beckoning you to himself. So whether you've been here since we launched back in 2021 or this is your first Sunday, God has been beckoning you to himself. Provenient grace. We can often think that it's just our alarm clock that wakes us up for church. We, we can think that uh, it's a response to the echoes of our grandparents' faith. We maybe, maybe, I mean, it was time change Sunday. Maybe we couldn't sleep, and so we thought, ah, what the heck, I'll go to church. You see, that's God's grace. That's moving, beckoning, calling you to himself. Perhaps maybe in this season you've been wrestling with this strange idea that it's time for something different that you, you've been living your life and, you know, it's, it's been okay, whatever, but you just have this sense that there's something that needs to change. That's grace. That's God beckoning you to himself to find new life, full life in him. That's provenient grace. And, and friends, it's into this idea that God is moving, that right now you're here because of his grace. I want to propose to you two things for you to consider. Two things that that I want you to lean into. The first would be, and I've said it time and time again, but you're not here by accident. You're not here by accident today. Whether it's the fifth time, the fiftieth time, or the first time, you're not here by accident. That God is calling you. He's calling you. Secondly, God's calling you because he desires to give you life and relationship with him. He's calling you to intimacy. Friends, God has made the first move in your story thousands of times. Will you respond this time? Lord, um, I, I just can't get it out of my mind this morning that in the annuals of eternity, today was on your map. <laughs> I, just, I don't understand it. But thankfully, we don't have to understand it to take part in it. So God, in, in, in what you were thinking, Lord, in your grace, Lord, I, I just pray into whatever you're up to today, God. Whatever your provenient grace is doing, Lord, we want to follow the flow of your grace. 
the, the events in our rearview mirror, Lord, that, Lord, you are moving, you're calling, uh, you're beckoning us to yourself. And so, God, today we just want to experience everything that you would have for us, Lord. Because you planned today. You've orchestrated the events that we would be here worshiping and hearing your word. And so, God, whatever that was about, we're in. We're in. And so, Lord, have your way. We want to respond to you, Lord. We don't want to be clenched fists. We want to be open and seeking you, knowing that you are calling us home, calling us to yourself. We're listening, Lord. We're listening. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, as we begin and continue to unpack provenient grace, I want to just take a, a itty-bitty sidebar to note that grace, God's grace is not compartmentalized, okay? So there's not like a grace closet in heaven where God's got a box for common grace, for saving grace, for provenient grace. It, it, it's all one, you see. And what we're trying to do in our limited capacity to understand, we're trying to put handles on this thing. We're trying to understand what God's favor and his compassion are doing, how they're moving us. And so we put labels on it like provenient. And so th this is not one section. And once you get done with this, you go over here. No, it's, it's all God's grace. And so we're in the enormity, the complexity of who he is and how he moves and his great compassion for us. And we're just working around in that today, trying to get handles, if you will, to sense what he's up to even in our lives and what he's calling us to. And so when we're identifying that, uh, we're identifying that the provenient grace is, is God's kindness and his compassion that is, is moving us to call on him for new life. He's calling us out of that spiritual death that our parents experienced in the garden. The Apostle Paul, uh, he articulated this living death, this idea of walking dead. He articulated it in Ephesians 2, uh, and that's where I want to go next. Uh, so Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 1, the Apostle Paul writing, he says, As for you, and I know like, he just seems like mom's getting ready to give you the what for, right? As for you, but that's Paul. That he's, he's, he's leaning in. He's trying to leverage and make sure we're listening. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Isn't that odd? That he says, you were dead in the way you used to live. It's possible to be the walking dead. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, all of us also lived among them at one time. This is the Apostle Paul saying, I was the walking dead. He says, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. What does the walking dead look like? What does it look like to be living but yet still in the realm of the dead? I, I got a testimony here this morning that will unpack that I think gets us to see a little bit of this reality. Dad always told us, uh, you know, a man should be able to provide for his family. And that includes food and everything else because uh, he always told us at one point there was 
No such thing as a grocery store. Totally got picked on a ton by my brothers. You know, we'd go out, we all played basketball, which is funny because my dad played football. And uh, so we'd be out, we'd play horse or something. And if I won, they would, you know, give me a swirly or give me one of those armpit, sweaty armpit, uh, I don't know how you say that. <laughs> my dad actually, um, as he was getting the duck call business started, he uh, was a commercial fisherman. So, wasn't a lot of money, uh, but we ate real good. I would go out as a kid and, and run the motor for my dad and um, as he picked up these big hoop nets and uh, I would ride with my mom to the fish market and uh, sell fish and that's kind of how we made a living. Here's the thing, my, my parents took in so many like transient people they'd see on the side of the road. They're like, y'all want something to eat? They're like, yeah, we're hungry. They'd pick them up, bring them down the river, feed them, let them stay a couple days, give them a little money. The thing was, my parents didn't have a lot of money at the time, but my dad just wanted to, to share Jesus with people and, um, you know, get them to heaven. So it didn't matter what color your skin was, how bad your past is, um, they were just going to help people out. Later in life, uh, when I got up to about 18, I met a couple guys when I was right toward the end of my senior year. And, uh, you know, they were doing stuff a little bit different. And I just thought, you know, maybe I should just, you know, hang out with these guys some and just kind of experience what the world has to offer. And uh, it got pretty ugly there. Uh, lots of drug use, alcohol. I pretty much did anything that was put in front of me. I remember smoking a joint that was dipped in formaldehyde. They called it a wet daddy. Taking pills. To be honest with you, I don't know what all pills I took. I remember waking up. I had one leg in my truck door, and it was on a gravel road, and I was all skin up, my arms. Um, and I drove somewhere that night, and to this day, I don't know what I did that night. And uh, I hope I didn't run over somebody, I, I don't know. I knew at that point I was, I was really off the tracks. But the funny thing is, I didn't stop. I got up the next day, where's the drugs, where's the alcohol, let's just keep going. I was hiding that from my parents and it was just the battle of trying to was just nothing to look forward to. So empty, no decency whatsoever. You, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. The walking dead. Uh, th this reality of being spiritually dead ha has some of the same implications uh, that physical death might uh, give us in, in that when we're spiritually dead, our, our senses are, are not quickened to the things of the Spirit. Our discernment is not what it should be. It's not aimed like it would. We can't discern right and wrong as we should. We're, we're not responding as we should to the Lord or to the things that are happening in our lives, we're in a sense both deaf and dead to God, often often laser-focused 
on ourselves, and we're essentially doomed in that state. You see, because in our our sin-dead state, we're we're influenced by our own desires. We're spurred on by the ruler of the kingdom of the air, as Paul said. And friends, that's the swindler from the garden. That's the enemy of your soul, the Satan himself. And it's no throwaway idea here for Paul in verse 4 that he doesn't mince words. He says in our our sin-dead state, we're, we're deserving of God's anger and judgment. And it's just the, the witness of Scripture, and it's a fact of God's holiness that sin has to be judged. And this is, this is not an arbitrary punishment as much as it's, it's the result of a life lived in continual death. And that's where we start. That's where we start. Our story is in living death. And friends, I, I know today that if we stopped here, it would be a tragic and hopeless story. There would be no reason to rejoice. There would be no source of hope, but it doesn't end here. It would be tragic if it were not for provenient grace, if it were not for God calling you, resuscitating you to life. Because that's the goodness of who he is. That's the power of his grace today, giving us hope in that place of death. Let's continue, Let's continue in our scripture there in verse 4 of Ephesians 2. It says, but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. So, so friends, what we see here is that even when we're dead, even when we're deaf to his voice, God is, God's grace is at work. He's taking that first step. You may, have, you may have seen like a medical drama, right, where they pull out the pads of the defibrillator and they stick them on somebody's chest and they're trying to shock them back to life. That's God's provenient grace on your heart today. He's trying to awaken you to breathe that shock of life to come into awareness of him. That's provenient grace in your life. And the whole point of it, the whole point of this grace is to be restored in relationship with him, to have his life birthed within you, to have fellowship and intimacy with Jesus. You see, provenient grace is flowing, it's moving, it's drawing you closer to Jesus. That's the point. You see, in provenient grace, our senses are quickened to the things of the Spirit. Our discernment of right and wrong is honed, is quickened, and we have this sense that we need to do differently. And those are just ways that God's grace shows up in your life. And at the risk of making this like a 1990s infomercial, I want to say, but wait, there's more. There's more to this. Because the crazy good news about this whole idea of provenient grace is that it's at work in everybody's life. The person to your left, to your right, and in your heart too. God is beckoning you to himself, to new life in him, to be freed from the way of the living dead. We believe that God's grace is at work in every person's life. Awakening them. Enabling them to choose him. Friends, earlier in this message, when I said that you're not here by accident, like that's not just a churchy thing I came up with this morning. We don't even have a way that you can hit the like button, so it's not for any of that. It's just the hardcore reality of grace. 
we've had this series planned for months. We didn't know what was happening today, but God did. God did. So your story today, whether, again, whether you're here for the 30th time, the fifth time, or the first time, your story has just been intersected by the creator of all of the heavens and the earth, and he's saying, come to me. That's grace at work today, friends. That's grace at work. God is calling you to turn from living life your way, to turn to him and turning away from sin and trust in Jesus. Trust in him to be the fulfillment that you've been seeking. Trust in him to be your rescuer and redeemer. Trust in him. He's drawing you to himself. He's drawing you to himself. And there's, there's another piece about this grace. And we believe that it requires a response. We believe that we have to respond to it. We, we have uh, these 16 articles of faith. They're kind of our key doctrinal points, if you will. Uh, and our, we have one for provenient grace. And it, we have in there, it says this. It says, we believe that human race's creation and God-likeness included the ability to choose between right and wrong. And that human beings were made morally responsible. That just means we have to choose. The apostle Peter, he says it this way. He said, the Lord is patient with you. The Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, God doesn't want anybody to live spiritually dead. He wants everybody to find life in him. To know that eternally. And, and so what we see there today is that it's, it's not enough just to acknowledge it. We have to choose. We have to take that step of faith that says, Lord, I am responding to you. I am coming nearer to you, Lord. We must choose. You see, when God made us with free will the right to choose, we can reject what God's doing. We can say no to the things that he's been putting on our heart. Or we can say yes, Lord, and respond to his life, to his invitation. So friends, the truth that we've seen today is that God is calling. God is moving in your story. That in the story of eternity, today was on the map. So God is calling. Will you answer? Will you respond to what he's been doing in your story? What, what would that look like? What, what's that yes, Lord, for you today? For Jeff Robertson, it looked a little bit like this. One night, got drunk, went to the movies, and uh, my brother Willie uh, left a note in my truck, and he said, I know what you've been up to. We need to talk. I show up down at Dad's house at 8 in the morning, all my brother's trucks are there, uh, and I'm thinking, what are they all doing here? And uh, I go in the house, and they're just all sitting around the couch looking at me. It was Jason, Alan, Phil, and Willie were in the living room. I couldn't even get in the living room. I couldn't make myself even go in there. My heart just starts beating out of my chest, and my dad said, Son, are you ready to change?
He said, I just want you to know that we've come to a decision as a family, and it's going to be either you are going to join us, following God, or you're going to go on your own, and you can just, you know, good luck to you in this world, but you'll just be on your own. So there's your two choices. I just fell down on my knees and started crying. I said, what took y'all so long? And he said, Dad, I don't deserve to come back. I've been horrible. Let me tell you some more. And Phil said, no, son, you've told me enough. You know, I've seen my dad cry maybe three times, and that was one of them. And uh, to see my dad that upset, and it was tears of joy. I want you to know that God loves you and we love you, but you just can't live like that. And he said, I know, I want to come back home. My brothers, they were all crying. And we, at one point, we just got in the middle of the room and just all got down on our knees and just cried and just prayed to God. Just thank you for getting me out of this because I'm done living the way I've been living. And I remember Dad saying, my prodigal son has returned. And, and uh, it was just one of the best days of my life. And uh, so he said, I'm going to put you on house arrest. You cannot leave this house for three months, and you got to duck hunt every single day. I said, all right, Dad, I think I can do that. I think it took me just going out and experiencing some bad things to know what Jesus really did for me. I realized, oh my gosh, I need Jesus more than I need the next breath I take. I was so happy and elated that, you know, I was a, a child of God. My name is Jeff Robertson, and I am second. God's calling today. His kindness and his compassion has been going before you. Will you respond? Will you respond? You see, it's not enough to understand or to acknowledge that he's been working. Or that he's been helping you think about making some changes. We believe that that grace, that work was was calling you to a point where you respond and say, Lord, I'm done. Lord, I'm done living my life my way. I'm tired of being the living dead. I want new life in you. See, that's, that's the response that grace is drawing us to. is that we surrender our life to Him. That we come with a, a humble heart and just say, Lord, I, I have, have, have sinned. I have been living my life for my way. I need your forgiveness. respond you see and the beautiful thing is is that God's grace doesn't stop here 
that when you say yes to him, that there's some things coming ahead like we're not dead anymore, so we got to stop doing dead things, right? we got to live a life of new life in Christ Jesus. That's going to be challenging, but you know what? His grace is there to meet you too. Just like he was faithful to draw you, he's faithful to strengthen you and guide you in that journey of new life today. We don't ever outrun or extinguish God's grace when we're responding and leaning into him. I'm going to ask this morning uh, just as a, a way to make space for grace. I'm going to ask you to just bow your head and, and close your eyes, and there's no magic in that. Uh, it helps us to eliminate distractions because I, I know me, I'm easily distracted. And, and so to close your eyes and to bow your head is just to try to tune your heart to the leading of the Spirit right now. Friend, if you're here today, and and maybe you don't know why, maybe you just found out today that God's calling you, will you respond to him? Will you respond? Will will you come before him with that humble heart that just says, Lord, I've been living for myself. I've been doing it wrong. Lord, I need your forgiveness. Friends, the cross of Christ says you are forgiven when you come and ask when you repent and and turn away from the walking dead to living new life in Christ. Friends, that can be your reality today. That can be your reality. Maybe, maybe today provenient grace is showing up in your life and it's because you've strayed. Maybe provenient grace, you, you know what it is to have that life, you know what it is to have that intimacy, but maybe just right now you haven't been living it out. You've strayed from your walk from the Lord for whatever reason, for however long, but today provenient grace is saying, my son, my daughter, won't you come home? Will you respond to his grace today? He, he's drawing you to Intimacy. And I'm going to ask today, if you're just in your heart, if your prayer today is, Lord, I am following you. I am choosing to respond to your grace. If that's your heart posture today, would you just raise your hand? If you would just raise your hand today and say, Lord, whatever you're calling me to, I'm in. Thank you. I see those hands. I see those hands. And friends, God sees your heart because his grace has been working. And it's going to keep working. And I know, friend, it might be hard. Where you've come from might be debilitating. But God's grace is afresh and anew. And He's going to go with you. He's with you now. And He's going to guide you. Heavenly Father. Ah. We just want to humble ourselves before you. Lord, in this this point in eternity that you had planned, Lord, thank you. Thanks for bringing us here to consider your grace, your compassion, your kindness that is drawing us to yourself, Lord. Lord, we need you, Lord. We need your life birthed within us. 
We need your rescue, your redemption, your forgiveness, Lord, because we're dead. Apart from you, we're dead. And so, God, we look to you today for new life. We say thank you for what you've already done, what you've been doing. And, Lord, we say thank you in faith of what you're going to do as we look to you. Jesus, we need you. And we thank you today for your provenient grace. And may the cry of our heart be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.